Welcome to Branding Beauty, where beauty meets branding in a symphony of innovation and inspiration. I'm your host, Kira Lynch, and on this show, we deep dive into the dynamic world of beauty marketing. Join us each week as we unravel the stories behind the brands shaping the beauty industry, explore emerging trends, and chat with the visionaries who define the essence of beauty in our ever-evolving world. Get ready to uncover the secrets of successful branding in the beauty realm. This is Branding Beauty, where beauty gets a brand of its own. Welcome back to Branding Beauty. We are on episode number six of season two. I am your host, Kira. We're back with Sarah for another week. Sarah, how are you? I'm not too bad at all, Kira. How are you? <laughs> Good. I'm a bit. Fra- I'm a bit frazzled. We were just laughing before we started recording because I'm a bit frazzled. One thing I've learned about myself is I need to maybe have a half an hour before the podcast to prepare like set up get my microphone get my brain like working and I haven't allowed myself to do that today and I think it shows it's just a (laughs) mad busy morning for you like back-to-back meetings you don't even have time to think I haven't even had time to eat today yet oh my god are you starving um I'm actually okay I I've been worse like I I'm a breakfast person I love yeah I love having a bit of cereal in the morning and all that um but I'm okay today I'm just powering through I think I might try have a little bit of lunch after this quickly it's the energy watch you crash later now when you get on that train <laughs> oh my god I know and I and I am jam-packed today as well because I I'm taking the next two days off so it's you know when you have that shorter week yeah it's a bit more challenging but I think it'll be okay you'll get through it I mean you're gonna have a lovely few days anyway yes you must be looking forward to it yeah yeah so um as we're recording I've got my food tasting for my wedding tomorrow so I'm just going to go and like enjoy lots of lovely food but I'm really looking forward to it so excited like what an exciting time I know and it's just it must feel like it's all kind of coming to life now yeah it is I've also like booked our wedding photographer this week so that was really exciting and what else have I got to do there's so much to do but I've kind of like started the conversation moving with like our florist who's also our event stylist and she'll help me with a lot of the kind of the intricate things then that I maybe haven't even thought of yet like like lighting and table settings and I'll be like really looking forward to that but I haven't I haven't had the headspace to move on to that part of the planning, to be I honest. Imagine. But mm. Kira, we're we're almost hitting March now. Time is I gonna know. go so quickly. <laughs> I know, I know. I need to Yeah, I need to like find time or like create time because I don't have it. I don't have the time. Um I know. But but we will We'll we'll be fine. Everything will be fine on the day. Sarah, how have you been? How's your week been? It's been good. I feel like, I know I say this every single week, but it genuinely is just so busy at the moment. I feel like there's times where I just cannot breathe because it's like you have no time to just relax for a hot minute. But then again, I mean, no complaints. How amazing is it to be busy and to be busy with business and everything is going really great like there's no complaints whatsoever in that area so I think 
we're lucky yeah that's so good and like I always say it as well and I'm like I don't want to like it to come across like a negative that I'm like sad about being busy because I think it would be worse if we were like sitting around twiddling our thumbs um and I've been like so bad at showing up on like social myself like I used to be able to do it every day and then the busier you get the more you have to prioritize like client stuff but then I say that like with my socially Kira one because I feel like that's kind of turned back into like just being me so we're not really pursuing business through that one anymore um so I'm like oh that's okay then but I always feel guilty do you feel that like if you don't show up on social do you feel guilty about it I feel so guilty so guilty Mm. and I think especially maybe the last like two or three weeks I've been putting the client, which you have to do, you have to put the clients first. And I think I've been so yeah. up the walls about all of that, that I'm like, oh no, but what about social care agencies? So I think it's all about just trying to get into a routine with it again and get back into a flow. And I know for me, I probably need to get a lot more organized because I was organized at the start of the year. Then it dropped off a little bit. So now I need to get myself back on the bandwagon again and just yeah. get the show moving a little bit. I think when I'm just super busy like that I find it quite difficult to be like creative or inspired or like that's where I look like I'm crying about it now but I actually (laughs) (laughs) that bloody eye cream (laughs) (laughs) it's the eye cream I was saying to Sarah this morning I put eye cream on this morning and I just get the most watery runny eyes um because of it but I'm like when I'm speaking now it looks like I'm like wiping tears away because I'm I'm really passionate about it but yeah I find it really difficult to be creative and I think like our jobs are so challenging and I kind of put this to anybody who works in social media I saw this great um I saw this great LinkedIn post the other day that I'm going to read out to you because I I saw it and I instantly related and I think you might too. So this is from a guy called Julius Dean, D-E-I-N on LinkedIn. So he is, by the looks of it, a viral video marketer. Okay. And he was like, a social media manager is not, in capital letters, a community manager, a paid social expert, a graphic designer, a social strategist, a videographer, a PR specialist, a data analyst, a copywriter, and a producer. One person cannot do all of that effectively. 63% of social media professionals are either burnt out or have experienced it in the past. I'm not surprised. I've been there myself. If companies want to implement a mix of strategies on multiple platforms, they need a team behind them. Stop hiring a social media manager to do the work of 15 people. It's not cool. More importantly, it's not possible. I am we must have been on the same kind of feed this week because I saw that exact same post the other day and I never related more to something in my life (laughs) like it's so true right and like you can do little bits of everything 
And like I find I don't even really class myself as a social media manager because for me that doesn't feel like the right term. I find I'm more of a strategist and I kind of do I do ads as well and that's kind of been a specialty focus for me I think over the last six to eight months I've been really trying to like hone in on that learn more educate myself update ourselves because I see so much value in it and I'm quite interested in that it is really difficult like a social media manager is not all of those things for sure and and then people wonder why we feel burnt out I know and I think sometimes people have this perception that our marketing is easy like you're on your phone all day or you're on your Mm. laptop all day what are you doing you're just putting posts together and it's like no it's so much more like there's days when I come home and I sit down and I'm like I do not want to do any more work today I just want to Mm. chill but I feel like when you work in marketing you're just constantly switched on like there's always something and I love I don't want to complain about the job because I love the job and I love the area we're in but it's also okay to say it is actually really tough like it's not as easy as people maybe think it is I find what I find quite challenging kind of similar to what you've said is like all day we're putting things together we're doing strategy and especially when you work in an agency environment like one minute I'm looking at one brand and then the next minute you've to switch and completely change your mind frame and your focus and be all in on that brand yeah it's not easy it definitely isn't easy I think not everybody is built for agency life sometimes I think I'm not um (laughs) because I actually love the beauty of really diving into a brand the beauty of luxury marketing is you can spend a lot more time learning a brand in a more in-depth level which is kind of similar to like in-house marketing um but I think the nature of our jobs sadly is our downtime is also our clients downtime and when our clients then that's their opportunity to almost catch up on things that are happening and things that are happening in social and then you don't have breathing space because that's then when they kind of tend to like message you or come back to you on things and that's also frustrating (laughs) and it's but it's really hard to find that maybe boundary then of okay I finish at five o'clock maybe but then half five six o'clock rolls around and a client messages and you're like oh, I really don't want to get into a conversation with them right now. Like, I just want to finish and be done for the day, but you don't want to leave them go for a few hours without replying. So it's like, oh my God, what do you do? And I know for me, I often fall into the trap of just replying to them straight away and then we'll be back and forth for a little while and then you'll end up doing more work in the evening and you're working later. So it's actually really hard to find that balance. I I think, I don't know about you, Kira, but I definitely do find that difficult sometimes. Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, I think that's where my gripe with WhatsApp is. I really, really (laughs) dislike it. I hate engaging in work conversations because it takes away professionalism, in my opinion, and I don't like whatsapp groups and I always stand firm at the beginning of a client relationship where I'm like we're not gonna whatsapp we're not having a group it's not my and I'll be really honest with you it's not my preferred method of communication that's not where you're gonna get me at my best yeah for sure um yeah it's quick and easy but actually 
it's not the best form of communication and I find I slowly then kind of like fall into the trap of being like a bit of a people pleaser which I am trying to change and being like okay let's set up the whatsapp group um but that's only really easier for the client I don't think that's easier for the people working on the social platforms absolutely not like what I try and do now when I finish work in the evenings is I'll mute my group chats but yeah there's still this thing in my brain where I still I'll still go in and check them Mm. it's like I cannot just switch off for five minutes and just be done like I'm constantly like oh my god but what if they need something I need to be online just in case so it's trying to get into that habit as well of saying okay I'm gonna finish at six o'clock today and that's it I'm not touching my work for the rest of the day yeah but I think also just in relation to that because I do agree with you you do definitely need some downtime I think it's like it depends if the client is waiting for you to action something that you've already agreed versus new tasks coming in yes so I'm like oh no it can't it can't be a new task but if it's something (laughs) that we we discussed that we were going to do today and we're waiting for it to be done then that's kind of different um but it is tough. It's really tough to say, no, don't contact me. Oh, it's so hard. Like, I I don't know. I feel like it's something that it'll probably take a while to get used to and find your kind of boundaries with it. I mean, I'm counting down the days until I go on holidays next month now. I think it's like 35 days. I'm absolutely buzzing. I'm like, guys, I can't wait for the break just to not touch my laptop for like a week and a bit or whatever. I am so excited. Oh, I love that you actually are. You're not just saying you're counting down. You're actually counting down. Oh, Kira, I have an app on my phone. I check it every single day. I've got the hours, minutes, seconds. Oh my God, that is so cute. (laughs) But I suppose kind of on the topic of what we've just discussed, we started to introduce a new segment to the podcast because Sarah and I, I have noticed kind of bounce a lot of ideas around just working in agency, working in beauty marketing and that's kind of like the nature of this podcast as well it's kind of coming at it from all angles so whether you're working as a social media manager whether you're a brand manager a brand owner we all kind of face challenges and sometimes we don't know who we can ask um so we've decided to introduce a segment to branding beauty where you can send in your questions your dilemmas and we will try and give you an honest answer honest advice in the best way that we can okay so Sarah we've had a question in from somebody who they're looking for advice so this is from anonymous they didn't want us to say who they were but we do know that they're based in Manchester so this is the question loving the podcast ladies I have a question for you. I've been freelancing in social media for a little over a year now. One of my clients had stopped paying me and and I've now paused all of my work for her. She owes me three months invoices, but what's really upset me is that I can see that she's constantly going on holidays and buying lots of expensive designer clothes. And it's now made me really angry and upset. What can I do as I really need this money to be paid? There's a lot to unpack here. It's a loaded question. It's a loaded question, but I also can understand that frustration because 
I've been in similar situations. Honestly, the struggle of being a freelancer, Mm. it is so hard out here and not a lot of people talk about it, but it's it's really, really tough. I think, Kira, I'm going to start, I'm going to let you answer first because I feel like you probably have more experience than me in this field. Sadly, I have a lot of experience in this field and... It is frustrating because I think there's a lot of things that you can take and be like, beat yourself up and be like, I don't know why this is happening. But take the learning, first of all, take the learning that you will not allow this to happen to you again. Um, When it's first happened to me, I think I was more inexperienced. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you take all of those things and first of all, maybe reach out to them to be like, you know, take your anger maybe out of the equation and just approach them and be like look I just wanted to let you know this is still outstanding but if there's any issues I always kind of just assume that you don't know someone's financial situation all of these things could be paid by somebody else they could be like pre-booked from years ago like you know we we can't assume that what we see on social is always like someone's reality um But I think what I would do is maybe just approach that person one more time delicately to be like, or not even delicately, like, you know, go as a strong business person that you are, but go in and be like, okay, just so you know, this is what's outstanding. Um, Can we get a timeline on when these will be paid? If there's any issues from your side, can you please just let me know and we can figure out like a payment plan or like we can break it down further or we can we can talk about how we can get them covered. And I think at that point, if you're still not being heard or listened to or even responded to, I think that's when you can move on to like other solutions. If you do have a contract in place, this is a really good time to whip that out with your lawyer or solicitor, whoever you're working with. Um I always find sometimes even just mentioning the contract in the email to the client sometimes does the work that it needs to do to be like, look, as per our contract, I think when you use those terms, people tend to be like, okay, no one wants to get this into a legal battle where it doesn't need to be. Um, I think a contract in the first instant kind of say protects you in a lot of cases. Um, So this person hasn't mentioned whether they had one in place or not that could be the big learning for them on this instance um and then of course if you have a contract you can take it to legal proceedings which do kind of cost you but actually can give you the outcome that you want so it's weighing up what's worth it but you definitely need to be continuing the fight (laughs) to get the money back um Sarah you've done some you've done some freelance work as well have you like experienced this on some level Yes, absolutely. I think it's very normal. And I I think when you're starting off as well, being a freelancer, it's really difficult. And I honestly think not to go down this lane, but being a woman and asking for your money is really, really hard. I know I find it really difficult to, I mean, I, I remember in the past, like situations where it would be two months or whatever, and I still hadn't gotten paid. And it's like, you ask and you keep on asking and it's embarrassing and it's just it's really difficult as a woman to ask for your money I think for Mm. men it's a lot more normal for them to talk about money but for women 
at least for me and I maybe it's because I'm young I don't know what it is but I just find it I find that whole subject really difficult and it also gets to a stage then where you're like oh my god I love the clients so much and I love the work that I'm doing for them but I can't continue on like this if I'm not getting paid because like I need to live as well it's a really tough world when you when you are a freelancer and especially if you're starting off you've only been in it maybe a year or whatever asking for your money is just very difficult but hopefully that is going to be helpful for that person but yeah maybe just take the learning from it and you might you might have to write it off it sometimes happens but yeah just always take the learning from it and try not to get yourself in a position where you're not protected for payment maybe going forward if anyone else has any more questions for us do send them into either social care agency on dm we can keep you anonymous if you would prefer or you can send us an email um hello at com, and again we can keep you anonymous if you would prefer not to let people know who you are but also if you're just in need of a little bit of advice okay will we dive into today's topic it is looking at the life cycle of a beauty trend. I think as a marketing agency, we discuss trends a lot, particularly when we're looking at more social media focused things. But the, the question comes up time and time again from some of the brands that we work with, like, OK, but like, is this a trend that's going to stay around for a long time? Or you get some brands that actually don't really want to get into the kind of cycle of trends because they're like, this is not really like longevity but it can have an impact in terms of like initial brand awareness it's what everyone's talking about it's making your brand relevant but it doesn't like build like an evergreen everlasting brand to kind of be on the cycle of trends so it is like a really interesting topic um Sarah what are your thoughts initial thoughts when we said that we were going to do this as a topic I love trends I love beauty. I think because we're a beauty first agency predominantly. I mean, I feel like I'm constant. I'm looking at trends every single day. So I really enjoy them. I really like them. I, I love seeing trends from like the 90s coming back nowadays and stuff. I think it's really cool. But I also find, because I know we have some clients as well who don't like to hop on trends. Yeah. I love learning all about that side of things as well and maybe why they don't want to hop on a beauty trend. And then there's times where you can actually convince them to maybe hop on a particular trend and they're like okay I'll go with it I'll test it out and see what it ha- see what happens but I just think it's a really interesting topic I mean there's there's quite a lot to talk about within this topic so I'm I'm excited to get into this episode I agree with you I don't think every brand is suited to kind of like get involved in trends but what I think is important as well from a digital marketing point of view is that when you're looking at trend analysis it's what people are searching for in the moment and I think while we might not jump on every like little TikTok trend that's there I think you start to understand consumer behavior around trends so I love to look at like where the search data is going and like what people are searching for like I did a report yesterday for one of our hair clients and it's like there's a big surgence at the moment around like curly hair and people wanting to embrace like natural texture and look for products around hair growth and things like that and I think that kind of information is so helpful for a brand because it allows them to 
curate ads or like content around those topics which then in terms helps their like awareness I think online so I think it can guide you it's necessary exactly necessary for growth it is yeah so it's like you're just putting your product in a you're speaking the language that the consumer is wanting to hear and pairing your product with it so I think there's many different ways that we can kind of understand beauty trends but I suppose by definition it refers to the prevailing styles performances or practices within the beauty industry that are gaining popularity at that time amongst consumers and I think that these beauty trends drive consumers from many different like factors but I think they're looking at cultural societal and technology technology technological um (laughs) influences as well and I think like one of the big factors is TikTok I I honestly think TikTok is where we're seeing a lot of our trends kind of coming from yeah I think so I think because I was when I was doing my research for this episode I really I think trends have always been around right but since I would say maybe 2010 onwards because of the rise of social media it has just completely exploded which Mm. I mean I love and then of course I think 2020 COVID hit TikTok blew up and then trends just completely went through the roof I think now more than ever I mean we're seeing trends new trends every single day and it can actually it's a lot of pressure sometimes I think for brands to try and stay on top of all of them because there's something new I mean there's the clean girl aesthetic there's this new trend on like coquette makeup there's the strawberry girl aesthetic there's like there's so much to keep on top of that there's a lot there isn't there when you really think about it there's a lot and like exactly like you said as a brand who's trying to grow on social and get their awareness and find their people I think like Nanaya one of our clients um one of our favorites we love Nanaya we've been working with them for a long time now but I feel like they're a brand that just do it well in kind of staying true to their own beliefs and ethos I feel like if you are an authentic brand you know what will naturally work for you and like authentically I know it's such an overused word but like you can authentically engage with a trend in that way yes absolutely I think we we do nail it every time with Nunaya I think that and because the founder Nicola as well she's so on the ball with things and she knows her brand inside out that Mm. it just it makes it so much easier to create the content and to sometimes not all the time but hop on the right trend I just I think that's a really good example of a brand who they don't need to be in every single trend they know who they are they're really really authentic in what they do and they know their products work yeah. so they don't really they don't need to hop on every trend to get that brand awareness and to get those sales and they've got those loyal customers as well that just come back to them time and time again yeah completely agree um we kind of touched on like the birth of a trend I think when we were looking at the life cycle some of the factors that play into this we've kind of got three main areas the first one is looking at innovation and creativity so like obviously bigger companies are pushing different types of innovations that they're developing so that makes sense I always kind of bring it back to the 
the methodology of meta right if you look at mark zuckerberg and you look at like instagram for example because i've spent years kind of talking in algorithm terms and like what's working with the algorithm and what should we be pushing and blah 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 and the my kind of answer to it is always like really simple and i think brands kind of have the same thinking right they have a new product, they've spent a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy developing a new feature, a new product, a new service. That's obviously the new shiny toy and they're going to do a lot of work to make sure that that is successful. So I think that when it comes to innovation for these bigger beauty companies or companies of any industry, they're going to really try and make that the trend. Um, so I think looking at innovation and what has come through. So you see it a lot at the minute with like beauty tech. You know, we spoke last week about AI and like how personalization and, you know, all of this beauty tech that's coming out. There's a reason that we're like talking about that is because we're it's in the media where it's being pumped into influencers like it's it's strategic but that's where it kind of starts and then that's where you kind of move into like your influential figures so your makeup artists your celebrities your beauty influencers that have these big platforms on tiktok on youtube on instagram they're being gifted these paid collaborations and then suddenly we're like oh my god i'm seeing this everywhere we we spoke um, briefly on our Slack channel yesterday, Sarah. I don't even know if you had a chance to see it. But I sent in like some of the biggest brands that have kind of grown, some of the beauty brands that have grown the most over the last year. And I saw that and I was like, this is makes so much sense because I'm seeing these guys absolutely everywhere. So it was... Um, Oh yeah, here it is. So you've got Merit Beauty, which has grown 318% year on year. Um, you've got Salt and Stone. Salt and Stone is the one that I am seeing absolutely everywhere, but that's grown 268% year on year. This is based on in terms of search um, online. So like how the brand is kind of growing their digital footprint. Um, Naturum. I have to say I'm not as familiar on this brand but I do when I looked into it I actually already follow the founder which I thought was quite interesting but 237% year on year growth and then the next one is Lemon Bottle which is 222% which I think Lemon Bottle is one you could oh my god there's so much to talk about it um but it is really interesting like when you think about brands and trends and, and and all of that i'm not gonna lie i i never heard of salt and stone naturium and lemon bottle i know merit beauty because of sherlock's and the lux girls they love they're it constantly <laughs> t- and i'm like every time i see there's like these really nice blush sticks and contour wands and stuff and i'm like oh my god i need them that's because i see them talking about it all the time it's interesting because salt and stone for example I've only started to see since the beginning of this year which makes me think they're really investing um in ads so they're coming up on a lot of ads for me and then um as a result then I'm kind of getting a little bit more of their content but I wonder if that's a UK versus Irish location targeting I would say so because I've never I mean I never see these brands 
come up here on ads like the only reason I would know Mary Beauty is because I watch TikToks of Sherlock or I'll watch their podcasts but I'll never see ads for them come up here which is actually really interesting now. There's a lot of like organic discussion around Lemon Bottle as well because it's a new product um it's like from the aesthetics industry and then I suppose a lot of kind of um ethical conversations around it as well so it's like it's quite a it's a product people debate around quite a lot um does it work does it not work blah 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 but yeah it's it's definitely an interesting one but yeah I mean and I think this is where you kind of start to see like influential factors kind of coming into like the birth of a trend um and then of course you've got industry events which also lead into it we're just coming off the back of like fashion week well London fashion week um you've got beauty expos product launches like all of these different elements like when a brand launches a new product then kind of similar to their innovation they'll kind of merge it with going out and showcasing it in the market and all of these things are normally timed to like happen together or like over the course of a six-month period which is then where you start to see these brands growing like salt and stone like 250 percent um it's wild but like it's it is really really interesting um Sarah do you want to talk to us about growth and adoption within a life cycle of a trend yes absolutely I guess the first one is traction among customers and that's all because of social media application when we look at platforms like Instagram TikTok, YouTube is in there as well. All of these different apps are going to just accelerate the spread of trends through really viral content and also user-generated posts. I would say if I was to pick one app that I think really amplifies these trends, it would be TikTok straight away out of these three because I feel like that is just the app to go to if you want to learn more about a product, a trend, you want to get all your kind of insider information that is where I go and I think that is actually the future maybe of where to find your beauty trends it's just all going to be on TikTok unless Instagram comes out with this incredible update now and we see the platform kind of change a little bit I think TikTok is like the number one growth factor for beauty trends yeah oh I mean you you definitely can't disagree that TikTok is just a platform that is amplifying things I think that's also great for like newer trends that like you we were saying like the mob wife aesthetic the vanilla girl like all of these strawberry girl like all of that stuff um I also kind of think if you're a brand that's kind of looking for like particularly within beauty right the search calendar kind of tends to have like peaks and and troughs at at different stages so we know that like in the first few months or like winter months first few months of the year um you know our skin is like dehydrated and like the search naturally tends to go up every year for you know moisturizing products and hydration and you know same with hair um I think there's a lot of stuff if you kind of look at those trends you can build social content around that but I think yeah for new trends TikTok is definitely a key platform absolutely you know what I'm just thinking of right now I forgot to ask you about it actually but have you seen it it's gone absolutely viral Hailey Bieber's phone case I have for the her lip balms oh my god 
Yeah. So smart. So it is so clever. But I I was wondering, I didn't really look at it in too much detail, but like, is the lip balm kind of like a, like a pop socket? Like, can you put your finger in there to hold it? Like you, you can literally just put the lip balm inside of the thing at the back and you just, okay. just carry it around. But it, it looks really good for photos and stuff, but she's also doing such a good job there promoting the peptide treatments and stuff like that. I just thought that was so smart. I am literally seeing it all over my TikTok page this week. Yeah, but then it's like, it, and a good trend will do this, right? It will spark debate. So you'll get people who will be like, oh my God, I love it. And then you'll get other skeptical people who will be like, I don't get it. I think it's stupid or blah, blah, blah. But it's starting conversation and it's brand awareness. So like, you're still talking about it. It is. I I was there now during the week and I was like, oh my God, I need this phone case. When is it going to launch? I think it launched a few days ago, but it mm. goes like, they don't do one for an iPhone 13. So I'm like, okay, that's me done anyway. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't top on that trend. It's all iPhone 14 and 15s, but I just thought that was so smart. So clever. I actually didn't realize that you could put your lip balm in it. Yeah. So good so good I thought that was really good but anyway that kind of brings us on to our next point which is all about influencers and influencer endorsements so beauty influencers I'm sure as we all know do collaborate with brands and they'll always promote trends to their followers which is going to drive adoption and also visibility and I think here maybe we can look at Charlotte Tilbury because I feel like all of the influencers who do work for her, they do such a good job at promoting like all of these different beauty trends. Like I feel like Charlotte Tilbury, you think of them, they're very glam and out mm. there. And I just think they do a great job at, I guess, working with influencers to promote their brands, their new products, and to kind of get those beauty trends out there. Another one that kind of also like brings to mind when you're kind of talking about that amplification is if you look at Kylie Jenner and just even the whole madness of her getting her lips done and like look at the trends that that caused like every second every second person has their lips done I even think like if you look at that kind of trend it's kind of starting to go on the other side where I think there's a small kind of decrease on it but I still have friends who are thinking about getting their lips done and I feel like that did stem from her like whether you want to give her the credit or whether you don't I think I personally think it did like she's she's the face of that trend (laughs) she is sure do you remember all of the videos going around of people doing it the natural way where they'd like put their lips in a glass and they'd hold it for a few seconds and oh my god that was insane but that's actually a really good example Mm. And I think that's still a very big thing in Ireland, like getting your lips done and stuff. I don't think that trend has died down here yet. Yeah. And and look, even if you took the life cycle of that, like it will always kind of trickle with more of a younger audience. They're kind of more open to trying things. And then it, it's like if you look at social, right? Everyone starts off on like the the newer app. It's like TikTok. And then it trickles up into the older generation. And yes. then when all of our parents started getting on Facebook, we were like, right, we got to get off. 
<laughs> do you know it's like that yeah so then when when yeah it's like it reaches that kind of peak um you see it with so many things like beauty products beauty treatments social platforms like it's it is kind of funny but yeah I think that amplification piece has to be kind of endorsed by people who have the platforms to kind of bring the awareness to it but even let's look at Sophia Ritchie our favorite girl we talked about her so much in season one (laughs) we did everyone follows like what she's doing now and the whole clean girl aesthetic and even looking at how her style changed from when she was younger like you know everyone compares like her outfits and the way she was with Scott Disick to what she's like now with Elliot and that whole transition Mm. and girls have actually adopted that whole transition and like They've stripped back their makeup. Their clothes are really chic and classy now because of Sophia Ritchie. Like, I think she's actually another great example of someone who can really drive a trend. Yeah, well, it's like that that, um, subtle luxury, like, rich vibe. You can see it kind of coming through with hair as well. Like, everyone's kind of wanting to go to that, um, that kind of, like, rich brunette. I can't even think of the name of it but uh, what I'll do is I'll link it in the show notes or on our social because I've been seeing that everywhere on TikTok it's actually made me want to like change my hair for my wedding and my hairdresser's gonna oh kill me gosh. yeah you can see again like she's kind of like the face of that trend she is absolutely I think her and Kylie Jenner actually they're they're really good examples that we've given today I really like them I think I suppose moving on to like the next stage is kind of like the saturation and decline which is funny because when I first thought of this I was like what's kind of an example that I could think of and from a beauty perspective I'm sure one will come to me in a moment I feel like contouring maybe it's kind of reached a a bit of a, a decline on that because it's been everywhere but Love Island I felt like Love Island was on the um the decline well love island has definitely gone through its rough patch but now i think because of the all-stars that literally finished on monday i don't know has it got a little bit of a revival now what i loved about all-stars and we won't get sidetracked by love island because i'll be i'll be here all all day talking about it but i think what really i enjoyed about all-stars was it was almost like nostalgia because I knew all yes. the people I didn't have to get to know them well actually no I tell a lie I didn't know the people from the newer seasons because I didn't watch them so there's like okay. two seasons I didn't know but everyone else I was like oh I feel like I I don't have to go through the slog of getting to know these people like I already know them um so that felt nice <laughs> but some of the signs that we do start to see when a, like a beauty trend or any trend is kind of starting to decline a little bit is when there's overexposure so trends that really just kind of start to lose their novelty and you just kind of they don't really feel like of the moment anymore I suppose another thing is like consumer fatigue so I think repetition overexposure I think it's just you become so tired of seeing the same thing again and again and again I hate to say it but like if you look at skinny jeans (laughs) <laughs> like I feel like oh gosh, the yeah. skinny the skinny jean has died a death and I'm really sad about it like I held on as long as I could but even I had to let it go at some point did you let it go 
had to. Like, I just felt, I was wearing the skinny jean and I was like, I feel really uncool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I felt like, you know, people were like, oh my God, is she still rocking her skinny jeans? So I've had to move to a straight leg, but I've tried to find like the slimmest straight leg yeah. I could find. Because also I'm short, so like a flare doesn't really work on me. Okay. Or like, I, or like a even... wide leg or like a boyfriend <laughs> style. It just doesn't suit me. Oh my God, that's so interesting. I'm even just thinking about like, I can't think of any beauty trend, but even looking at, I'm a bit of a trainer head. Like I love trainers. So obviously throughout the years, like Vejas were really big one time. Yeah. Now everywhere Adidas. So it's the Speziales and the Sambas. And I've absolutely bought into that trend because I think I yeah. have about three or four pairs of Adidas yeah. trainers now. But even just looking at all of that and how quickly a trend can actually change. Mm. Like it's insane. Yeah, it's funny because I remember like when Kanye West brought out Yeezys. Oh my God. And I was like, and this whole kind of like laid back kind of, I suppose is it luxe outerwear or like luxe kind of um, gym wear or leisure wear. That's kind of whatever. There's so many ways that you can talk, phrase it. But I was like, that won't be me. That will not be me. And I first of all read it like pre like lockdown and COVID and all of that. And now I'm still not of that kind of style, but I have kind of bought into it a little bit more than I thought I would have. And like, yeah, I suppose that's um that's a result of obviously environmental trends. But like yeah, yeah, I think it is quite interesting how even if you think a trend's not for you by like media and like even the shops going into them, they just don't sell the type of clothes that I was like that I kind of naturally tend to go to. So you're you're almost like I think particularly with fashion, if you're searching on the high street or, you know, I suppose just any of those kind of like Zara's or your H&M's I think you kind of almost get like not given a choice but to do it oh you have absolutely no choice you have to go along with the trends I remember last summer you know the whole denim skirt thing was like a massive trend and I was like nah that could never be me like a denim skirt go away with that why did I end up going to H&M and buying a denim skirt and I love it I live in it I think as well because as a trend grows particularly with fashion I think the first time you see it it's maybe the styling is a big element and then you're like oh no that wouldn't be for me but then I think as it becomes more popular and you see like other influencers giving you oh my headphone one sec you see other influencers kind of giving you different ideas of how to wear it or use it or incorporate it I think it becomes a little bit more oh I could I could do that I could kind of get into that and that's all because of TikTok, because I go for my outfit inspiration on TikTok and I'll search things up on TikTok and be like, how to style a denim skirt now, for example. And then I'll find ways that, OK, actually, yeah, that could work for me. So then I'll buy the product. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. The other thing that we kind of didn't mention, but 
has a factor on whether like a trend is kind of starting to decline and that is obviously backlash so criticism or backlash around a particular type of trend can definitely cause something to decline um I think as well like a lemon bottle which we did kind of speak about is a great example of that because the criticism is from some influencers is that it doesn't work or it's just a waste of money or you know you kind of get professionals who are aestheticians and they're using lemon bottle on people and they're like it's it's a waste of money so I think things like that can have a detrimental effect now lemon bottle is still so new that people are like oh really intrigued by it I want to try it um but that was kind of like one example that kind of just came to my head um with that any kind of backlash trends that you've seen I just feel like even looking at the whole de-influencing thing at the moment and you know now online people are doing like these videos and they're like skincare products you should absolutely not buy I get so influenced by that sometimes I'm like okay I really thought I'd like that product but that girl is saying not to go for it so maybe I actually shouldn't try it so I think de-influencing comes into play quite a lot here And then I suppose just to kind of bring it to a close, then we've obviously got the evolution or the revival. So this is sometimes looking at adaption. So do you want to maybe talk us through some of that? Sure. So first up, we have got innovation. And this is basically trends, they evolve and they're also going to adapt to changing consumer preferences, technological advancements and also cultural shifts and I think we're seeing quite a lot of that at the moment especially when we look at like you know people are looking to become more sustainable and environmentally friendly and stuff so how do you adapt a beauty trend to that environment? I think that's Mm. quite interesting actually to look at nostalgia then is a big thing so past trends they're obviously going to experience resurgence as consumers revisit nostalgic aesthetics or maybe they seek retro inspired looks and I think the mob wife aesthetic is like the perfect example to use here would you say Kira or do you have something else that comes to mind for you yeah no I agree I think mob wife is is a really great example another thing I was thinking um the other day is how when I was a teenager the 90s were the most cringe decade we were like oh my god we can never see the 90s stuff coming back into style and me and my friends were like oh my god the 90s will never make a comeback and now you actually look at people starting to romanticize the 90s and kind of like oh it was so cool and I was like it wasn't cool guys but actually the new kind of cringe era on the block is actually kind of the the early noughties when I was a teenager and you see that on TikTok of like people like almost mocking the makeup on the lips and you know like the yeah. back brushing of the hair and like the tight dresses and the things that we wore like the scarves and everything and the big fringe I had it all the big fringes <laughs> and I'm like okay but give that 10 years and I feel like that will be the new kind of nostalgic era that people will romanticize but even I think something that we're seeing at the moment because Maybelline brought out these new mascaras and I think it's like purple and blue and they I think they used to be quite popular in like the 90s and stuff because I feel like it was a lot of grunge makeup and stuff and I think Maybelline are really bringing back that trend at the moment I mean they're mad promoting their new mascaras so I think it's yeah it is actually 
God, I'm just thinking about the early 2000s now. You know, you had the dresses over the jeans and you had... Oh my God. The squirts. Yeah. Oh my God. What a throwback. Do you know what? And it's so funny because I can lean into the laughing about it. But I was like, it was actually a great time. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. it. Yeah. But look, I'm telling you, give that a couple of years and people will be like trying to do that again like so I think everything can come back around and that's why I kind of think nostalgia trends are probably like why they do so well because like for older people like like younger generations definitely can like make them cool and make a vibe and then that kind of is is quite nice to see and then for older generations who kind of live through that time it's like oh I loved that you know it's kind of like bringing them back so I think it's um it's really nice to see some of those come back it is absolutely and then the last one that we have is hybridization so that's all about trends and how they might emerge with other styles or concepts which in turn will create new iterations and revitalizing interest so that's kind of the three I guess main evolution revival things that we wanted to talk about but Overall, Kira, I want to ask you, what do you think the future of beauty trends is going to look like? It's really interesting. I feel like people will start to really lean into personalization, I think, a little bit more. I think we spoke about it last week. Or was it last week or the week before? I'm kind of like losing track of some of our episodes. But when we spoke about it in the de-influencing episode, I think people are really investing in things that they know will work for them. So I think it's kind of, that will definitely become more of a priority. And I think for a long time, we have been using so much skincare that actually I think people will lean to more of a paired back approach which also complements like minimalism so I can see that kind of working quite well um in terms of like hair trends I think I think people will start to embrace their natural texture a little bit more I feel like the 90s hairstyle was which you kind of can see coming back around um was a bit more you know you kind of had your 90s like kind of curly blow dry but I don't think we were as anal about like having perfect hair oh my god I think so I feel like you have to have perfect hair in today's world yeah I I do completely agree with that point so I think that that trend will kind of come to hair at some point as well um so yeah that's kind of like what I see maybe kind of being on the rise how about you I don't know I think it's a tough one with de-influencing because obviously people they don't want to be influenced anymore people are doing their own research as you said I know for me I'm probably not as influenced as I was in the past but then again I think that beauty beauty trends are just they're fun sometimes these kind of things are just fun to hop on even if you're just looking for a creative outlet and you're looking to just create a video or just have a little bit of fun and switch things up with your makeup or your hair or your skincare routine I think they're just a, a fun little thing to hop on but when it comes to brands I think it'll be interesting to see 
in the future if they continue to kind of go along with these trends or if they actually maybe take a step back and they're like okay we're actually going to do our own approach or we're going to stick to our guns we know who we are we know our product is good we don't need to hop on a beauty trend to be successful so I think it's going to be interesting to see the evolution of that as well when it comes to business owners. I think that's a perfect way to like wrap up the episode to be honest another episode done another episode done a really good one today um it's interesting because we kind of brought in like different elements of like beauty and then also just a little bit of like what's happening at the moment as well I know I love these type of episodes I thought this one was actually I think this could be my favorite episode of the season so far (laughs) you say this (laughs) in all of them (laughs) you're like no no no, this was my favorite (laughs) I'm gonna like we should do a game depending on when people are listening to it like every time Sarah says that take a shot take a shot (laughs) (laughs) have to do a roundup at the end of this season and see how many times we've said that oh my god yeah that would be so (laughs) funny oh my god um okay well perfect thank you so much Sarah we're gonna be back as always next week and next week's topic is I believe haven't even got my notes up give me a minute I think it's a case study I think it's rare beauty isn't it oh yeah I think you're right yes we're doing a marketing case study on rare beauty which I'm really excited about although after all your praise for Hayley Bieber could be controversial (laughs) it could now to be fair I've never tried Rose but I've never even tried Rare Beauty either so I'm actually probably gonna have to invest after next week's episode yeah that does tend to be the trend with us Um, it does perfect thank you so much Sarah thank you to everyone for listening and we will be back next week Thank you for joining us on today's episode in the world of beauty and branding. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to stay in the loop with all things branding beauty, here's how you can show your love. Subscribe to our podcast on your preferred platform to ensure you never miss an episode filled with insights and stories from the beauty industry. If you find value in today's discussion, we would truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave us a review. Your feedback fuels our passion and helps us reach even more beauty enthusiasts like yourself. Don't keep all this beauty wisdom to yourself. Share branding beauty with your friends, family and fellow beauty aficionados. Let's build a community of beauty lovers together. For the latest updates and behind the scenes glimpses, follow us on social media at sociallykira.agency. We're always sharing exciting content, so be sure to join the conversation. 